Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I'm about to dramatically shift topics, so I want to get to Kyle here on the phone about the voting rights ID stuff before I get into the COVID stuff. And I hope you'll stick around with me because I have been, my gosh, I read so much stuff. You know, I don't read books anymore uh, because I read COVID studies and listen to doctors and call people and I would really like to get back to recreational reading, but I can't right now because I'm doing it for you guys and myself and my family. And I want to tell you about all of that. But first, let me go and get to Kyle. Kyle, welcome to the program. Thanks for being patient with me. I didn't want to keep you waiting. No, no, no problem. Thanks, Eric. Uh, So I'm playing devil's advocate a little here. Uh, I'm a proud Second Amendment owner. Um, But uh, we like to say we don't like to infer on those rights, um, like the Constitution says. But if we flip that on to the the rights of a voter... And we say 1%, you know, half a percent of someone couldn't get an ID to vote. Are we not then inflicting, you know, restricting those rights? Are we not restricting rights? Uh, yes, uh, we are restricting a, a voting right. However, we restrict voting rights in all sorts of ways already. Uh, the question is, in a restriction of voting rights, are you attempting to accommodate the concerns of others? And I would tell you in this case, considering how easy it is to get a generic photo ID in a state, uh, then yes, we are. We're there's a restriction, but it's a restriction with the appropriate accommodation for it. You know, in South Carolina, Nikki Haley was telling me one time when she was governor over there, they passed a photo ID bill, and the state of South Carolina. Uh, paid for local boards of elections in every county to have someone on staff with a mobile voter ID unit. So if you didn't have a photo ID, they literally would come to you in a vehicle and do it right there for you. And they wound up having about 20 people in two years take advantage of it. So they shut the whole program down after spending millions of dollars. Uh, so yeah, I, I look, I, I, I get that it, it is, but you know, same thing with the second amendment, for example, where you got to fill out all the forms and show your ID. We can't just walk in contrary to what the left says. We, you know, they always say, I want to make it as easy to vote as it is to buy a gun. Well, then you need to show your ID and fill out a lot of paperwork before you go vote more so than you do right now. Um, I just think those arguments are nonsensical because of all the accommodations made. Now we're going to move on. I want to talk to you about COVID and the data that's out there on COVID. And I want to begin with a thread from a new study that has been pushed out by the CDC. Regardless of what you think about the CDC, follow along with me on this. This is a Kaiser Permanente study in Southern California where Omicron has been spreading rapidly. Compared to the Delta variant, you are 53% less likely to be in the hospital with Omicron. You are 74% less likely to be in the ICU with Omicron. You are 91% less likely to die of Omicron. And not a single patient in America with the Omicron variant has required mechanical ventilation. Not a single one. It is, however, much more transmissible. With over a million cases in a day, 99% of counties with high transmission have strained the healthcare system. We also know, in particular, that those who get it 
and have gotten vaccinated and boosted, their risk of dying is dramatically less than the unvaccinated. In fact, of the people who've died of the Omicron variant or the Delta variant with the vaccine and the booster, all of those people who died overwhelmingly, they had four comorbidities. So not just one. It wasn't just that it was you you got oh you got COVID and you had lung cancer, so you died. No, you you had lung cancer, you were over 65, you were overweight, and you had diabetes. That's what the data shows. That's from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And for all of their faults, they've been very good at, at waiting to release the detailed data. Now, here are the problems. And let me talk about my situation and, and personalize it for you a little bit. My wife has lung cancer, stage four. Uh, stage four because it's in all four lobes of her lungs. She takes a chemo pill every day. It keeps the tumors from growing. She goes every three months and she gets checked. She got the flu a couple of years ago, was vaccinated and still got the flu a couple of years ago. And, and we spent a lot of time in the emergency room. When she gets stuff in her lungs, it tends to take her out. We are obviously concerned about COVID and the spread of the Omicron variant. We are. And I try very hard to not put myself into positions where I am around crowds of people at a time it's spreading. I have been vaccinated. I have been boosted. Having talked to my doctor, I do take a, a vitamin regimen as well, which uh, you, no one wants to talk about it, but boosting your, your zinc intake, your vitamin C intake, your vitamin D, it actually has shown to make you far less likely to get any of the variants of COVID. You still have to live reasonably. That's what the data shows. You should still live reasonably. But no one should live in fear of the Omicron variant. Overwhelmingly, it is a cold or a flu. Now, again, in, in my situation in my house, if my wife gets a cold or the flu, it takes her out. She hadn't been hospitalized, but it takes her out. So we have to be more cautious than other people. And I have to remind myself sometimes of the need for that caution because of the flu and everything else. So we, we take the shots. If they come out and say, go get another booster, I'll go get another booster. And even though it makes me sick, the last one made me sick for 12 hours, I was miserable. And same with my wife. We'll do it because it boosts the protections of our family. But here's what the data says for you. Let, let's say you're you're a, a reasonable household with someone who doesn't have uh, pre-existing conditions. Go live your life. There really isn't a need for masks at this point. Now, here's what the data shows on masks. If you are unmasked and someone is wearing your standard, uh, they buy from Amazon or, or get a cloth mask, and you, the unmasked person, have COVID, you will transmit COVID to the masked person within 15 minutes or less. If 
you are masked and they are masked, it goes up to about 20 to 25 minutes. Now, for grocery store working and all, listen, this is why I don't really wear a mask when I'm out in public anymore. I'm vaccinated and I'm boosted. That improves my odds overall. I've been exposed now uh, since August uh, repeatedly to people who have had COVID. I have not gotten it. Uh, the most recent was over Christmas. I was spent two days almost shoulder to shoulder with a relative who that Sunday night after Christmas, the 26th, went to bed and, and took him forever to get back out of bed. He had horrible COVID. Never, I never got it. I shared a hotel room with my dad, more or less, for a weekend. He sat next to me in the car, sat next to me at restaurants. He was COVID positive and contagious the whole time. I never got it. I expect at some point I may get a mild case. From what Dr. Fauci is saying, everybody at some point is probably going to get a mild case. The Omicron variant seems to be the one you want to get. More transmissible, far less severe. In fact, in Finland now, Finland is even getting rid of COVID vaccines for children unless the children are in high-risk households to minimize risk there. The data count is looking really good. The virus is looking to be, though more contagious, far less deadly. The concern that public health officials have is that people will hear all this and say, well, I might as well go on and get Omicron now. They would prefer you not to just in case you have a a negative effect and wind up in the hospital. Hospitals are overwhelmed right now. But here's part of what is overwhelming the hospitals. And this is what the data actually shows right now. Hospitals are overwhelmed right now with people who have COVID. But the majority of them are actually there for other things. And a lot of people who are sick and in the hospital with COVID are there because they have not just COVID, they have flu as well. Because a lot of people went out and they did not get a flu shot. They thought, all I got to focus on is COVID. I don't have to focus on flu. Because remember last year, nobody was getting the flu. The flu has come back with a vengeance. So a lot of people are getting the flu and COVID together, and it's, it's causing all sorts of problems. But if you're looking for clarity, I have tried my best to find a way to talk about this in a way that does a balancing test. Because I think at this point with the Omicron variant, you can't live in fear, nor should you lock yourself down and stay in your house. You should always be responsible. There's no reason to be scared. And the balancing test is this. In my situation with my family, we have to be a little more cautious than you probably do. But all of us should be thinking about the Omicron variant now as the Europeans have decided to start doing and as the Singaporeans have started to start doing and as the Koreans have started to start doing. And that is, think of it as a flu and cold season, which means keep everything clean and wash your hands. If you're sick, stay home. If you're not sick, go live your life. You don't need to keep your mask on now. We don't need to upgrade to N95 masks. The, the, this administration is still of the mindset that we have to stop COVID when they now know they're not going to stop COVID. 
So there's really no reason to force people on airplanes to to wear masks. In fact, the the airflow on airplanes suggests we shouldn't have to wear masks at all. There is no known transmission on a plane. Even remember when COVID first came out and people were highly susceptible to it and people were still traveling on planes and most people weren't wearing masks at the time, people weren't spreading COVID on airplanes. Remember that there were a whole host of people who came into this country from abroad and someone on the plane was diagnosed with COVID and it did not spread on the airplane. So live reasonably, not in fear. And understand that the Omicron variant is overwhelmingly not fatal even for people with pre-existing conditions unless they have multiple pre-existing conditions. Understand something else as well, though. And this is the other side of the coin, the other side of the equation. Some people, for reasons you don't understand, who you do not know, will risk, have a risk tolerance that's different from yours. They may, like those in our family, have some pre-existing conditions, like my wife with her cancer. And they have to look at the issue and decide differently from you. So many people who have chosen to just go out and live their lives now without masks are being condemned by members of the media, by progressives who think we should all stay in our houses still, and they should not be. But there's a growing concern that I have and that I see on social media of conservatives who look at people who assess the risk differently from them and they condemn them. All of us live life differently. We are all unique. We all have different tolerances and different standards by which we have to assess the risks in our lives, and you should not judge someone negatively for assessing the risk differently from you, nor should that person judge you negatively for assessing it different from them. Live reasonably based on your concerns, and that's part of the problem that we're having with dealing with COVID. It's the same problem I've always had with trying to do universal healthcare in this country. We are a nation of over 300 million people in urban, suburban, exurban, and rural divides, uh, far more diverse than most countries on this planet. And so what's good for you may not be good for me when it comes to healthcare. And what's good for your family when it comes to my family may not be the same. But I will tell you this as a bottom line. You right now, with the spread of Omicron, probably still don't want to be in packed houses of strangers. You probably don't want to. In the same way in a bad flu season, you don't want to. You don't want to be in a subway car full of strangers during flu season. You don't want to be shoulder to shoulder in conferences inside with people. You wouldn't want that in the flu season either. And with this... This is more contagious than flu. But you also need to understand that if you get it, you're more likely than not overwhelmingly not even going to need to be hospitalized, particularly if you've got the vaccine and the booster. So the vaccine and the booster do help. They do help. They do reduce the symptoms and they do reduce the risk. Even with Omicron, and this is key because the media has lost this plot point, even with Omicron, if you're vaccinated and boosted, you are far less likely to get it. Now, you're not nearly as less likely to get it as with Delta. You could see the the risk goes up of getting it, but you're still far less than an unvaccinated person likely to get it. And if you get it, you'll have far less seriousness. So just be reasonable. Treat it as if the flu season were here. 
and you wash your hands and you stay away from crowds of people who might be sick, but you don't go running around with a mask on in your car by yourself, nor feel like you have to at the grocery store, maintain 20 feet away from someone, wear a mask and rubber gloves. You don't. It's time, generally time, truly time to go back to normal and also be mindful of those in this country who have pre-existing conditions who still have to be more cautious than you, and you should not be angry at others for having to be a little more cautious than you because you don't realize their life situation. I'm lost as to why this is such big news, but it is big news. Uh, The Queen of England has stripped her son, Prince Andrew, of all of his titles, and he will no longer use HRH in public, His Royal Highness. Um, it This comes with on the heels of the Epstein candle. Prince Andy, they, they call him in Great Britain, uh, Randy Andy. Yeah, um, he's apparently a pervert, and he is stripped of his royal titles now, having been basically benched by the royal family. I, I, I honestly... I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I've gotten the breaking alerts. Even CNBC had the big red banner at top. Breaking news. So the breaking news, I have covered this breaking news. I can take it off the list. Now, the phone number, 877-973-7425. And again, my team is is telling me I'm supposed to do this because I'm bad about telling you that we actually have a podcast. I have never really promoted the podcast. It's growing, and I've never really talked about it on the show. But if you want it, because we're on Spotify and Stitcher and Apple and Google and and you name it, we've even got a 24-7 live stream. If you text SHOW to 33777, you get back all the links. You get the iTunes link, the Google link, the Spotify link, the live stream link, the Substack link. Uh, You get it all. Text the word SHOW to 33777 so you can listen to me wherever. One reason I am promoting this is we've had this, this discussion Every single day, it seems like I get to the end of the show and I've taken so many calls and talked about so much stuff and I've got all this other stuff I wanted to talk about that I can't get to that we're going to have to start doing a a, a segment on the podcast called The Extra Sack of Stuff where I talk about the stuff that I didn't talk about, that I meant to talk about, that I couldn't talk about, that I want to talk about. So if you subscribe to the podcast every once in a while you'll get something that says extra stack of stuff and that's all that other stuff you people have been sending me to talk about and getting my thoughts on uh that i didn't have time to work into the show so i'll accommodate you i'll accommodate them i'll make accommodations for everybody and just add more work to myself that's what i do (laughs) okay when we come back um we need to actually talk about the wokes you know the wokes nfl ratings are up uh actually up higher than they've been in about a decade. And it comes as the NFL kind of has walked away from the woke activism, but there's more to it than that. We'll get into when we come back. Howdy. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. I saw this story and it got me thinking about a larger issue in a lot of context. The NFL regular season ratings increased 10% over last season. An extra week of games, close finishes, a non-election year propelled the NFL to its highest regular season ratings in six years. 
The 272 regular season games averaged 17.1 million viewers across television and digital platforms. That's a 10% increase over 2020 and the highest average since 2015. There's a strong argument to be made that the National Football League is the single most important entity in pop culture, and the numbers of viewers watching the NFL bears that out, says Mark Gannis, co-founder of Chicago-based consulting group SportsCore. It was expected the audience would increase after the 2020 season was played in the middle of COVID with empty stadiums. The first half of that year also occurred in the midst of a presidential campaign when many were watching cable news. And there are other variety of issues, but... One of the other issues here is, as I mentioned the other day, Colin Kaepernick, Black Lives Matters, and all the woke nonsense. If you watch an NFL game this year, you're not seeing all the taking of the knees and and the censorial tone and the uh, people turning their backs to the American flag and the national anthem. Uh, you watched it in the uh, college football game the other night. Natalie Grant, who I just adore in her rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, and the crowd went wild. It was very patriotic. All of that's patriotism is back. It's amazing how when the Democrats take the White House, the left suddenly loves their country again. Uh, who's in the White House should not matter to your patriotism, but it seems to matter greatly to the left. And we're not getting lectured the way we were a couple of years ago on football. But this goes beyond football. People are kind of fed up. This goes to the Democrats as well with their push for voting rights, but it goes to so much more than that. It goes to schools. It goes to crime. It goes to costs. People are really fed up right now. There's a creeping fatalism that has set in with some people, but by and large, Uh, It has more to do with the lecturing tone of the left in this country and their denial of of reality. If you're just tuning in, uh, I'm in the hot seat on social media right now because I tweeted this morning that the left wants you to show your photo ID and vax card to get into a grocery store, uh, but thinks it's racist to show it for photo ID. And they're burning me alive on Twitter, so to speak, because I said grocery store and and actually the, the rules have exempted grocery stores. But if you want to go to a restaurant, you want to go to a gym, you want to go to a bar, you want to go to a lot of places in this country, including theaters, they want you to show your vaccine card and they want to show your photo ID, and yet they think it's racist to show your photo ID. And the response from people on Twitter on the left is, no, it's not, it's, that's, that's, not true. that's not true. Shut up. Misinformation, disinformation. That's not true. Except it is. Now, I shouldn't have said grocery store. I was wrong there. But I corrected it, and they're still mad, even at the correction. They want to shut up anyone who disagrees with them. They want to shut up anyone who contradicts their narrative. They want to censor. They want to punish. They want to cancel. And the public is getting fed up with it. Even progressives are starting to get fed up with it. There was a story I read the other day about Hollywood. In Hollywood, a lot of people in Hollywood are pretending to be as woke as possible because they're scared of the mob, and yet there's a seething resentment in the undercurrents. That seething resentment always has a way of spilling out. And in society at large, it is spilling out with a Hispanic shift to the GOP. Hispanic voters in this country are furious with Democrats for demeaning them, treating them as a as a class group, calling them Latinx. 
believe it or not, there is no such thing in the United States as a Latino or a Hispanic voter. There's not. There is not. Now, follow along with me here because this, again, will get progressives mad at me. There are no Hispanic or Latino voters in the United States. There are Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Mexicans, Hondurans, Guatemalans, Hondurans, Panamanians, Colombians, Venezuelans, Brazilians, Argentinians, Chileans, Peruvians, Bolivians. There are a whole lot of voters who have immigrated to this country from unique nations. There is no nation of Hispaniola. There's an island, but there's no nation. There is no Latino land. There may be Latin America, there may be South America, but in Democrats, class warfare and the Democrats' identity politics, they've lumped all of these people with unique life stories, each of them a different story leading their families to immigrate ultimately to the land of the free and the home of the brave. And the Democrats have chosen to lump them all together as up. They're Latino. They're our voters. And now they don't even have the the credence or credibility or, or moral sustainability to call them Latino. They call them Latinx to placate a bunch of white, progressive, college-educated people who don't know whether or not they're a boy or a girl. And it's driving these voters to the GOP where they're not treated as Latino, Latinx, or Hispanic, but as Americans who want jobs and want to be safe and want their kids in schools where their kids learn good business skills, how to read, how to write, how to do math, and not how this country is a terrible, terrible country filled with racists, and they are a class warfare victim of whitey. Hispanics are fleeing to the GOP. Younger black men fleeing to the GOP. By the way, this is one reason the Democrats are screaming about racism and voting rights. They're trying to keep these young black men who are fleeing to the Republicans from fleeing. They want them with the Karens of the world, the white progressive elite who yell at you at the grocery store if you got your mask on crooked. There's growing anger. And it's happening in school boards. We see it happening in school boards as parents show up at school boards and they're tired of school closures. They're tired of their toddler having to wear a mask to preschool. They're tired of of, uh, critical race theory. They're tired of indoctrination instead of education. These parents had to sit home with their kids during COVID and heard what they were actually learning and they're furious. And the lower and lower middle class voters who are black and Hispanic and white whose kids couldn't go to school, they had to give up on jobs or they had to leave their kids home. And many of them did not have access to the laptops that were required for the Zoom calls. And it put them further behind. Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona two days ago at his State of the State address in in Arizona, said uh, 60 years ago, people stood in front of the schoolhouse door and blocked minority students from entering and now they're standing in front of the the school board the school door and they're preventing minorities from leaving and people are furious they got tired of the in your face nonsense in sports 
They've come back now because it's gone away. They've gotten tired of seeing people burning down America, claiming that it was fiery but mostly peaceful protests. They've gotten tired of not being able to get their kids in school. They've gotten tired of all the shutdowns. They've gotten tired of all the lockdowns. They've gotten tired of all the mandates. They've gotten tired of the government changing their guidance on COVID every other day, depending on what the teachers' unions ask the government to do. They've gotten tired. The Hispanic voters have gotten tired of being lumped in as a class group as if they're all one homogenous group when they are individually unique people from individually unique nations, all of them with unique life stories on why they came here. And there's going to be hell to pay because of it for the Democrats. The Democrats are held hijacked by white secular elites. They don't go to church. They don't believe in Jesus. And they believe that they get to decide for themselves whether they're a boy or a girl. And you're a bigot if you don't agree with them. Americans realize the cultural elite in this country, the progressive elite who control the Democratic Party, have gone insane. And they don't intend to let the crazy people govern the country. That's what we're seeing right now. People understand it. People understand this nonsense about uh, the transgender agenda. They understand it's nonsense when on Twitter you can't call Bruce Jenner Bruce Jenner because he changed his name to Caitlyn. And you sure as hell can't say he's actually still a man. Talk about the 10-year challenge, by the way. Everybody putting up their pictures of what they looked like 10 years ago and, and today. I think Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner wins. But America loses as the left embraces insanity. And there's a rebellion afoot among the people, and we saw it in Virginia. We've seen it in special elections. We're seeing it at school board meetings. And all the Democrats can do, all they can do is the, the, the one card they play is the race card. And they scream, everything is racism, everything is bigotry, everything is hate. No, actually, the voters have common sense, and the Democrats don't. And this is going to cause a profound shakeup in the American political landscape this year. As the Democrats, they lost how to do politics as they got hijacked by their far-left base that has decided we don't need a mandate, we don't need a majority, we're right, and we can bulldoze through. No, you can't. The systems of this country are set up so Donald Trump was unable to throw out the 2020 election, and you are unable to throw out by yourself the rules of the Senate when you only have 50 senators to help you. Gridlock is a feature, not a bug of the system. And the more progressives agitate against it, it's like one of those Chinese finger traps where you stick your fingers in. The more you pull, the harder it is to get out. The more the Democrats pull on the system, the harder it is for them to get anything done. And the midterms are coming, and there will be hell to pay. Well, I messed up. I'm a professional, and I still make mistakes. I hit the sounder before telling you guys about Patriot Mobile in the last segment get in trouble if I don't tell you about Patriot Mobile because they're so awesome and I need to. Charlie will get mad at me. They actually are an awesome company. I don't want to be flippant about it. Uh, Patriot Mobile is a cell phone provider. Whether you need wireless, whether you need a data, whether you need 5G, just voice, whatever. If you got an unlocked iPhone or an unlocked phone, you can carry it to them or you can get a new phone from them. And you'll be helping the conservative movement because they dedicated a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. You get free activation if you use my name. But all of that, they give incredible discounts. If you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, you got a large family, you need multiple lines, we're about to need that in our house. Oh, we'll get into that. But Patriot Mobile can help you. 
Uh, they're fine people. They're 100% U.S.-based. They're headquartered over in Texas. They're committed to Christian conservative cause. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can see their coverage map. You can you can connect with them. You can transfer over your existing phone number or do what I did, just get a new number from them that other people don't have. Uh, you can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. They're really, really good people, and they have a great company, patriotmobile.com. Related to the backlash that I was talking about, one of the other big issues here is uh, non-citizen voting. This intuitively, I think Americans know. You work hard if you're an immigrant to come to this country, become a citizen so you can vote. And now in New York City and other progressive enclaves, they want non-citizens to vote in local elections. In Georgia, a Senate committee in the state legislature has just cleared legislation that would ban non-citizen voting in the state. They want to go on and take it off the table before any local governments can try otherwise. Uh, and they should, every state should make it clear you got to be a citizen to vote. It's absurd that they, in New York's, they're not. And at some point, you know, uh, you get the government you voted for. But unfortunately for you guys, uh, New York could get the government non citizens vote for. I think it's unconstitutional, actually. And there's a challenge afoot to it, but you never know what progressive judges will do. Related to all of this and the backlash, uh, there's a growing murmur out there in Washington that the Senate could have a wave of Republicans. Uh, Stu Rothenberg has this. Uh, As usual, Democrats are fighting among themselves about what to do with the Senate filibuster. Most would like to simply eliminate it, but that is not going to happen in a 50-50 Senate that includes Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, two Democrats who are uncomfortable with rules changes. So Democratic office holders and strategists have talked about trying to carve out an exception, but even that is a heavy lift. The irony here is that while some Democrats worry that carving out an exception to the filibuster might set a bad precedent, the imbalance in the three Senate classes may give Republicans a chance at a filibuster-proof majority in the 2024 election when the Senate map strongly favors the GOP. Of course, Joe Biden's approval rating was sitting in the low to mid-50s back in May when Stu Rothenberg first wrote about this, and his approval is now 10 points lower on average. Those numbers, having reversed, and there's a question about the president's ability to deliver on Build Back Better, his ability to make headway against the coronavirus, and his ability to work with Republicans in a bipartisan fashion, all goals he articulated, and Kamala Harris has her own problems. And then there's the empty grocery store shelves. My longtime friend Charlie Cook was exactly right when he wrote recently that Senate races are more idiosyncratic than House races, and House and Senate results are hardly synchronized. Historically, the quality of Senate candidates are better. Many Senate challengers raise enough money to be competitive. Still, a Senate election wave is not unheard of, and it could very well happen with the momentum of the Republicans. And then there is Harry Enten at uh, CNN. Here is an interesting data point. I'm going to try to break it down for you because it's somewhat confusing. But since 1982, opposition party incumbent senators have won 86 out of 87 elections in midterms. That is, in a midterm, an incumbent senator who is in the party opposite the president has won 86 of 87 races but not only that since 1982 
There have been 35 midterm Senate elections in states that leaned to the party opposed to the president in the previous presidential election and where the elected incumbent was not an eligible candidate. And in those cases, the opposition won 32 of 35. So in open seats in states that opposed the incumbent president in the election, that next midterm, there were 32 of 35. The three elections where the opposite party lost had one or two things going. Either the president had an approval rating in the 60s or the president's party had a popular governor running for the Senate seat. This year, the president's not popular. The trend lines, even in states like Arizona and Pennsylvania and Michigan, have turned against him and his party. And there are open races afoot. That means, in other words, that uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona, the odds are not in his favor for winning. In Georgia, the odds are not in Raphael Warnock's favor for winning. In Nevada, the odds are not, and I forget what that lady's name is. It's a three-word name. She's running against Adam Laxalt. The odds are in Adam Laxalt's favor. In Pennsylvania, where Pat Toomey is retiring and the Republicans are trying to find a nominee, the odds are actually in the Republicans' favor. It's bad for the Democrats out there right now. And it's made worse because of their own incompetence in trying to navigate what's happening right now. You know, they really did think that they could come in and just do better than Trump. They really did think they could just walk in the door and suddenly they'd be able to fix all of the stuff that that Trump purportedly broke or wasn't good at dealing with. And they've been worse than him on a host of issues from foreign policy, dealing with people like Iran, Russia, and China, to the virus, to the economy. I mean, we didn't have this record inflation when Donald Trump was president. And they could have blamed him for it, except they decided to spend even more than he did. And it causes all sorts of problems. Now, when we come back, I want to take a break from raw politics. I said something the other day. I've gotten a ton of feedback about it. And so I think I probably ought to explore it a little more with you guys because clearly I struck a nerve with people, didn't expect to, and uh, am more prepared to deal with the issue at this point. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 